Either you get it or you get smashed by it. There's no wiggle room in it. Either you fall in line with the things that are going to lead you to progress, or you will run into somebody in an interview, right, in a sales meeting. You're going to run into somebody that gets it. And your likelihood of success shrinks greatly if they're doing certain things and you're not. This podcast is not to be used as medical advice or medical education. If you are experiencing pain, discomfort, or any other medical or physical ailment, please consult a licensed medical doctor or physical therapist. This is the strategy of fitness. Hey, this is Dan Gorin from the Strategy of Fitness Podcast. We'd like to thank you for all of your support. And if you love the podcast, please recommend to a friend. Find the Strategy of Fitness on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. Please like, subscribe, follow, and leave a review if you can. On Instagram, we are at the Strategy of Fitness. And we also give you the best gym songs every week. The Strategy of Fitness official hitters playlist on Spotify. Welcome back to the Strategy of Fitness Podcast. My name is Nick Cressy, joined weekly by Dan Gorn and Rob Roland. Boys, what's up? Doing great, man. Just cycling through some songs here. I got a couple ideas for hitters, but not sure what I'm going to hit you guys with next. Rob, how are you, man? I'm doing pretty well. I don't have any witty comments tonight, so I'm just going to stop talking now. What are you eating there, Hoss? <laughs> a jar of almond butter with some berries. As you know, I like the alternative food, so... Yeah, do you eat any food that's not, that's not alternative? It's like... <laughs> You can't just listen to, you know, the strokes. You got to listen to the hives, you know, whatever the, the alternative to, to what's mainstream is, you're, you're, you're about it for food, right? I just like to pick the album that nobody knows about so I can be different and make people feel bad about their mainstream choices. Exactly, man. It's good stuff. Have you found any Topo Chico alcohol version yet? I saw I had a great launch. Did it? I, I have yeah. yet to find it. I haven't looked very hard, but I'm constantly on the lookout. So seltzer news, I'm going to go real quick first and I'll let Nick take the floor. Nick is a big fan of the canteens, had my first sixer canteens. So first off, I cannot be, let's get to the stream of the week. So we're, we're do, mixing it up right now. I'll do the stream of the week. <laughs> it's, it's coming at the beginning and not the end. Point break. Maybe, maybe the ultimate Dan movie of all time ever. And I had a six pack of canteens. Let me tell you, that thing stood no fucking chance when point break came on. I just drank one after the other and eviscerated that sixer watch that movie. So I can't be held responsible for my actions when I watch that movie. I get so pumped up. And, you know, I, I went with the noons. I got some canteens, got a six pack of beer. And like Leah looked in the fridge on Sunday. I was like, what happened to all the alcohol you bought? I was like, ah, I watched point, I threw on point break. I, I can't be held accountable for the alcohol that I drink when I watch that movie. It's just the fucking best. So Nick, you had the, the surge white claw, which is a white claw. That's at 8% alcohol. Right. And it looks like it comes in a bigger can. So tell us about the surge white claw. What's going on with that? Yeah, so Surge White Claw, 8% alcohol. It's your, uh, what is it, 16 ounce? It was fine, you know? It was, you know, you can taste the extra alcohol. You can taste, they're not trying to overwhelm you overwhelm you with flavor. It's just there to, it's there to get the job done, as Rusty would say. So that's what it did. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. You know, I had it on a Sunday. I actually had some nooners on the back end because I didn't like the flavors of canteen at the store and they were wonderful, delightful, tastes very juicy after, after that, that surge. I, I don't know. I tried the orange blood orange one. I think there's a grapefruit one. You know, I wouldn't go out of my way to pick them up, but dialing it up 8% is no joke. So one, no joke. if, if you're going to put surge on a, on a beverage, my, I automatically think of the surge from our childhood. So right. if it's not, if there it's not packing caffeine. 350 milligrams of caffeine, then it's not surge. They need to come up with a new name for that. And, and you know, I always think with these, like when Bud Light Platinums came out, right? Like it was this thing 
but it, it all comes out in the wash, right? Because you get the Bud Light Platinums. Well, now you're drinking four instead of six or five instead of six. And it just kind of, I don't know, it's like a revolutionary thing at first. And then it kind of, the, the novelty wears off. It'll be interesting to see if these things take hold. But Nick, your, uh, your review of that, I wouldn't say it was glowing. Like in the moment, you know, usually me and you are the same. We get pumped up over new shoes, new products, new shit. Like, give me the fucking new stuff. Let me try it out. And you weren't really feeling it, it didn't seem like. I, I wasn't blown away. It was one of those things where I was like, okay, yeah, this is fine. Like if, if I want to drink 8% for four cans, I'll, I'll hammer these down. It was a Sunday afternoon, nice 60 degree weather. I was just trying to chill. The noons were a better, better fit for me on that particular day. Maybe if it was a Friday night with the boys with, you know, one of my walkout music playing, I would, I would have thrown this on, but <laughs> I will say Natty Light came out with, or they're coming out with frozen icicles alcohol version for the summer so that that can't be a good idea now are they fruit or is it like just frozen natty light because if it's like (laughs) you know what i mean like is it just frozen natty light because that sounds fucking awful and i'm a huge natty light supporter it's taking me through from 17 to 36 so what are the what are what are they doing there it looks like they're just making frozen versions of natterday's flavor so that pink uh, one and good. the that's, yellow one. That's tasty. So we'll see. Smart. Get the kids before their illegal drinking age. Get them eating the popsicles, and then you have a customer for life. Right. It's like those Absolutely. cotton. It's like those cotton candy vapes, man. You get those kiddos, you know, vaping or whatever. This or is like this, those candy cigarettes you used to get from the ice cream man. Those were the shit, and my parents fucking hated them. Like, if you <laughs> want to see my dad get blood red mad, you come home with a fucking pack of those candy cigarettes or, or one of those. Better yet, you remember those bubblegum, big-ass candy cigars? Pop's not a fan of those. (laughs) Rightfully so. This is by far the most immature and unprofessional start to a podcast ever, and it was by far the most respected guest that I've ever talked to on our podcast. So I hope he's halfway through listening and being like, well, at least my part was... (laughs) You can't win them all. (laughs) Sorry, Tom. Boys, what do we got for workouts for the week? Anything good? I got some stuff to talk about, but we'll get to me. Um, Yes. Nick, you had the most impressive thing of the week. I've been been hammering the Invictus. I haven't missed a session. I've done every single session, every single rep that has been prescribed to me. The snatch is feeling better. I still kind of get used to the heavier weights of the snatch. I sent you guys some videos. That was fun. I want to give you a quick one because I had a 2019 workout. Just I like, like Nick said, you kind of compare where you are in 2019 versus now. So this is a fun one. The assault bike just 20. It's a sprint, which is tough for me because the sprinting workouts are not my forte, but it was 20 cow bike, 40 chest to bar pull-ups, 20 cow bike. Did that with a buddy of mine, Nick, who does listen to podcasts from time to time. So shout out to Nick O'Brien if he's listening. In 2019, I hit 507 in that. Uh, this time I got 546, so nice little uh, club off, which doesn't sound like a huge chunk off but when you have a short workout like mm-hmm. that. Improved by 20 plus seconds. I was pretty happy with that. So, yeah. And then just working on my strict handstand push ups, working on my strict pull ups, and hitting Invictus, getting ready for this comp. I, w- I was trying to be more helpful in my text this week when I was giving you advice on your video. So, hopefully, hopefully I came across. Hopefully, I wasn't too they were, cryptic. They, they were complete sentences, which is more than I can say for your texts over the past 10 years since I've known you. So, it's good. <laughs> Trying, trying something new. How are you feeling as you're adding load to those snatches? Oh, fine. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just getting used to that positioning again. I mean, I think the biggest thing is just the confidence. And that's why, I'm, you know, the Evictus is great working with those percentages. I can kind of get comfortable in the bottom, get comfortable at the top of the power snatches, work on my footwork. And then I think that if, you know, be it a ladder or something in the competition where I need to start getting a little heavier, I think I'll be that much more prepared for it. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm liking it. You know, it's good, good times. Yeah, it's so fun relearning in, in your case, really those Olympic lifts. And I never really, foundation. And you know I mean? I never really spent much time on the snatch. So it's kind of like diving into something completely new for me. I mean, I could do it, you know, and I have a pretty good overhead squat, but I've never like really gotten into the technical components that you and Rob kind of talk about a lot on here. So it's interesting. You had any snatch balances yet? Yeah. Every, have you every, doing every, that? Every set, yeah. Every session I'm warming up with, you know, it's not a lot of weight. Like it's like 75%, you know, snatch balances. And how about um, SOTS press? What is the SOTS press? Is that Ooh. is it when is you're it the, in the bottom yeah, and yeah, you're actually those, pressing? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's a nasty one. They're brutal, man. It's it's tough for me to put even any weight on the bar with those. I mean, that is a horrifically hard exercise. I yeah, for the listeners weight, yeah. out at home, that's a yes, really good it, strength builder, core builder, everything. 
and mobility builder. So when you're down at the bottom, you have the bar racked on your back and you're actually going to press it overhead in your snatch ending position at the bottom of that, that, of that overhead squat. It is a difficult movement and your body is really confused as you try to groove those patterns. Very tough movement. I think they call it something different. They don't call it the SOTS press. I'm trying to think they call it a you know, snatch, snatch press. Or they call it something different. But yeah, I do a lot of those. That and snatch bounce is a big part of their programming. So I'm usually hitting those kind of in the beginning. They advise with like lighter weights and then you kind of build up and then you go into the different complexes. So yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Like I saw your eyes light up on the on the sots up sots press, Rob. Anything anything there? No, I just, I forgot about that one. So I used to I used to love doing them from like a front rack. I don't know if you still call it a sots press, just like from a front squat and press it overhead. And back in the strongman days, like that was like our goal to warm up the log and be able to do a sots press in the the squat position. That it just opens up your shoulder and upper back so much that your your lockout feels so strong after doing those. Yeah, no doubt. What'd you get into this week coming off a of deload week? Week one through my next cycle of five, three, one. Nothing, no crazy numbers. My bench was 235 for 12 this week. So I think I think that 225 for, for 20 is is well within sights whenever I wanna want to attack it. I did get into I'm in my last phase of the year of the engine. So these last three months. So there's, I, I don't want to give away WebKey's program. I, I want to like get people to go out there and buy it. But the intervals this month, he calls them flux intervals. So instead of like going super hard for like a 60 or 90 second interval and fully recovering, now it's switching between like a one or two minute effort. And then during the recovery, I have to keep a certain intensity on the bike. So it's, it's intervals where you're working the whole time. I like it because the, the overall intensity of the workout seems a little bit lower, but you're still putting good work in. And it's one of those workouts that, if my goal was like competitive fitness, you can see the direct carryover of something that's right. Like spiking that heart rate and then getting it back under control while you're still doing like endurance effort work. So I'm a big fan of these intervals. It's something I've always like thought about incorporating, but I've never done it. And now that they're on my sheet twice a week, I'm really, really enjoying those workouts. I like that a lot. It's kind of parallel to what we were talking about a little, a couple of weeks ago, really ramping up and then coming down to being a, in a comfortable push you know it sounds like you're getting right to that threshold going over it and then training under it yep hmm. just, just getting comfortable then it's 24 to 30 minutes of working that up and down up and down Whew. i want to share too i sent you guys a video of my handstand push-ups are coming along a little bit you know my goal was eight like to string eight together by the, like eight strict i think once i get to that point i can start you know progress a little bit more so i've, I've got a couple and they actually felt super easy i'll tell you what i've been doing with the wrist that was bothering me it's feeling great now but what I was doing was using two dumbbells. So a buddy of mine, he had a skateboard fracture and he was kind of giving me some things that he used to do when he was hurt. And one of the, so for anybody's out there who's struggling with this, so for handstand pushups, I've been using two dumbbells, two fifties, and then working at like a slight deficit. So two things, the deficit's really fucking hard and doing eccentrics on the deficit is really fucking hard. And then the grip and the neutral positioning is way fucking harder, <laughs> harder than it is to have your hands flat on the ground. So like kind of three ways you can progress handstand pushups while working through an injury. So that was kind of a cool tip that he gave me to working through that. And the handstand pushups are, are coming along a little bit. So I wanted to share that with everyone. Are you doing only strict? Right now I'm only doing strict. I can, do, I have, I have kipping handstand pushups in the bag, but my neck feels awesome all the time. The only times my neck has felt like shit is after those and I'll only do it if it's a comp or if it's like, you know, the open or something I'll do them. But I think strict is the way to go. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I, I don't, I will I refuse to do kipping handstand pushups. Like, it's, it's stupid. Neck injury waiting to happen, but yo, and, and straight up Rob. And I think that this is one of the things in a weird way, it kind of hold, holds us back a little bit is that you two are the most, two of the most modest people I know. And Nick, you did something really fucking awesome this weekend. So can you tell listeners about the, the pump and row challenge you did with Rogue and how well Ooh. you performed? And I'm making you yeah. give your performance and every everything about it, because that's fucking awesome. Yeah, pump and row. So kind of randomly went on Rogue to like go look on the discount shopping deals, you know, thing on their, on their site. And I see pump and row and I'm like, oh, I want that. It was a 2000 meter row. And it was max, you have a two minute rest and you have max body weight bench press. So like, this is just something that, you know, I've been waiting my whole life for basically. And it started Friday, ended last night and I did it twice. First one kind of to mess with it, see how, how it felt. Second time to really go get it. It's funny. It was almost identical the the output, but ended up doing a 654 row, two minute rest. 
and 32 reps of a 200 pound bench. And man, it lit my chest up, but it was split up into weight groups. So I, I don't know what lightweight was. And I know heavyweight was above 212. So middleweight was 165 to 211, I guess. And yeah, I'm sitting at sixth right now. I think there was like 650 people that did it. It's pretty cool, man. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It was, it was pretty, I knew when I did it, it was going to be good. I didn't know how good, like, I didn't know how good, like a, a Cole Sager would do, you know, he did it. And these CrossFit athletes, I just kind of put them on such a pedestal. I just assumed they're going to be great at everything, you know, modest effort. He's obviously training for the games. He's not training for bench press. But yeah, we'll see. I, I mean, I think there might be an outside chance that I'm like three or four. I won't be one. There's some guy from wherever the fuck that did like a 618 and What's 36, 36 reps. Now there is, <laughs> I sent you guys, I sent you guys one guy that was ahead of me, not locking out his arms, right, Rob? Am I being a hater? No, you're not. That I'm, I'm not counting those. Not even close. Those are bro reps. Bro reps, you know, this, this whole thing was like, you know, you had to weigh your weights, you had to weigh yourself, you had to weigh your barbell, you had to show a, a view that, that showed your arms. And I was like literally repping every single one out, like to make sure that I was not going to get no rep. And this dude, you know, threw up some good numbers. I think he's sitting third right now. I don't know. I think his elbows were bent on, on over half. Of them. Get him out of there. And then there's the guy that's sitting in first right now logged his scoring correctly. So again, I'm sitting in sixth. At the very least, I think I should be fourth. If I can hop up one more spot because someone dicks something up, you know, looking at 500 bucks and a barbell. So the pr- that'd be sick. Yeah, the prizes were legit. First place was two, uh, 2,500 and a rower. Then it was 1,000 and a barbell. Then it was 500 and a barbell. Fourth place doesn't get shit. So you boys know I'm, uh, I'm leaderboard stocking for the next week. Dude, I, I love the, these challenges they're putting out there. Really cool, right? And they're so they're so varied. You know, what was the last one? A, a dead hang? Yeah, dead just, hang. Just yeah. Some guy did 20 minutes. He was a rock climber. <laughs> did you see his did you see his forearms, by the way? Yeah. Dude, that guy was had no he he basically looked like me, but then if his if I had forearms like Rob's thighs. <laughs> it was the most absurd thing I've ever seen in my life. He's a rock just climber. Sitting there hanging. Oh, he didn't give he a did fuck. Like a yeah. push up at the end or a pull up at the mm-hmm. end. Twenty really? minutes. Ser- that was seriously the time. Yeah. It was around 20, 21, maybe. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And then I'm not sure what the other one was. I think it was the, like bear, a two, was the a bear hug. Two hundred pound bear hug. Bear hug I don't challenge. Know how long it? I don't know how long they last. There was a female that held like the hundred pound e ball for like fifteen minutes. <sighs> No, it was 150, 150 pounds for the females. Oh for men, it was 200, which I, I don't even know if I could pick up to. To be perfectly honest, I don't know if I could pick up 200. Like like uh, like the bag for the sandbag for the D-ball. Well, it's really cool, like you guys said, what they're doing. And I think they're just going to keep rolling them out. They're 10 bucks, you know? Why not? If you can do it at home, do it. Track yourself. Not everything has to be the CrossFit Open, right? Like, it doesn't have to always be this elaborate four-week competition this was three days it was fun still got to do my other work just to hold myself accountable 550 ghds 350 strict pull-ups last week so just gonna slowly tick away so that's that but yeah i think that's enough about me yeah those pull-ups are lagging you gotta you gotta get those back up to snuff man no 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 350 is enough 350 is enough for the week my wings, yeah, doing, my wings are feeling it. I'm trying to do like close to a hundred strict every week. And some of those are weighted, you know, with the vest and that's a lot. So, th- but I mean, obviously yours are better than mine, but still that's a, that's a fuckload of volume for 350. And then you're hitting the 550 GHGs. Like that's a lot. Well, yeah. And that doesn't count the work that I'm doing. Like the other day I did some like Murph prep. So I did my 80 strict pull-ups after you, I did a hundred kipping pull-ups with the vest on. Have you, know? you stopped going to work? Is my question. Like, <laughs> like, there's going to be a point where you, you're just like, yeah, like I've just stopped working. Like I'm just not going anymore. I do the podcast. I pot and wad, take care of my kids. I fucking do the yard, but I'm just not fucking going to work. I'm, I'm, I'm just curious. Family with rogue gift cards. They, <laughs> just they train for seven it. hours a day and just get. Like, well, that's sorry. the beautiful thing of the side work, man. Like pull-ups. I don't do a set of pull-ups that's less than 13. So even if you think like, you know, they don't all have to be at the same time. So I'll go do 13. I'll, I'll do like 39 before work starts. 
I'll do 26 at lunch and then I'll hit a, a round of 20 at before dinner. And, you know, there you know, I have 80 for the day. It's like, oh, okay, that wasn't that hard. I didn't really inconvenience myself at all. And same thing with the GHDs. Like if you're hitting sets of 25 or 30, 550 sounds like a lot. It's less than 100 a day. And I mean, really, so like, like. Just go downstairs and you do 30, 30 seconds of work and you go back up in between calls. Easy day when I'm pouring myself coffee. And that's a great point too. And I think a good take home for our listeners. Like if I had a GHD and I'm not great at GHD, I've still done like over a hundred in a workout and survived, you know, like I could hit 25 in the morning, 25 at night. That's 50 a day. I could do that for a week. That's, that's 350. That's 350 a week. Yeah. That's 350 a week. And think of how much better I'm going to be at GHDs if they yep. show up in a workout again. So yeah, that's a good, it's a good fucking point and a good use of your time for sure. Oh, that's what I'm saying. I think one of the first things Rob and I agreed on in, on this podcast was like, everyone should have a, a kettlebell. Like it should be sitting on your back porch or somewhere in your house where you can just go up and swing it because you can hit 20 swings really quickly. And then you've done 20 more than you did yesterday and just build on to it. I, I won't put you guys on the spot. So talk to Tom Ryan today. This guy, man, just a, a, a fearless leader. I, I told you guys about the book that I read chosen suffering during the Goggins challenge and hit him up on Instagram. He was all about jumping on, you know, we talked for about 30 minutes. He gets into the book a little bit, but this is dude, this dude's just a leader of men. It's, it's cool to see the vulnerability and the compassion that, you know, you guys know I'm like a, a leadership nerd. So it was really cool to get his perspective hear What makes the high performers like a Kyle Snyder, like one of the best American best, best Olympic wrestlers ever, you know, he coached them for four years. So really fun. Hope you guys enjoy. Welcome to the Strategy of Fitness podcast, Tom Ryan. Let me, let me get all this right. Head coach of the Ohio State University wrestling team, 2015 team national champions, three-time Big Ten coach of the year, two-time NCAA head coach of the year, two-time All-American wrestler yourself, an author of Chosen Suffering, a book that I talked about a couple of weeks ago. I actually listened to it on my 4x4x48 four by four by David Goggins challenge. It was oh. awesome. What's going on, Tom? Life's good. Good to be with you. I appreciate it. So I know you, you, you said you had practice later on in the afternoon, right? What's, what's off-season wrestling looking like? Uh, for my team, for my team right now, you know, we're strength training four times a week. We're on the mat four times a week. Two of those days are... are you know, more wrestling, more, more live wrestling, kind of, kind of, I guess it, you would call it combat two days. And so we're focusing on, on certain positions that we need to get better at and really honing in on areas of improvement. So it's, that's the off season the, the strength dial is turned up. The cardio dial is turned down a little bit and mat wrestling dial is, is cranked to the, to the max. So do you get in on this? Do you have a little fun with the strength training? We always like to ask our guests right off the bat, what did you hit today in the gym? It sounds like your workout's still coming. <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a big biker now. I, I, my, my, my chosen suffering is, is biking. You know, I like it because the bike can't fight back, but it's, but it's steady, right? It never breaks, right? The bike never breaks, but it doesn't fight back. Yeah, I like to do the typical, I like my pecs and my, you know, the back and, you know, the core. Yeah. But so I, I think, I think, you know, I think staying healthy is critically important for all of us, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the world, the world, the, the, our, our, our financial state of America will be far better. If, I mean, obesity, I was watching something last night, obesity is, 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 is real. A sedentary lifestyle, the easy way is become the norm. And we need to, we need to change that. It, yeah. And not to hit too many of those. <laughs> I guess, I guess not, not, not to go too hard on that, but you know, there's a lot of studies already coming out about some of the COVID stuff and how the obesity is just such an underlying problem of putting people in hospitals. And yes, the, the disease is terrible, but be healthy, put in the work and it's going to pay you back in dividends. You got to treat your body like a savings account essentially is what I always like. Sure. All right, cool. We'll, we'll get back into the wrestling and, and how you're coaching and, and what the team's looking like. But give everyone a little bit of context, who you are, where you came from. So I grew up on Long Island, New York, a wonderful little town called Wontaw, uh, about, you know, seven, eight miles from Jones Beach, about 35 miles from Manhattan. I had an older brother that was a, a, a fantastic example for me. Any, any older brothers out there listening, 
take this serious, right? They're watching. These little, those younger ones are watching you. My brother, Frank, is now the, the chairman of the firm at DLA Piper, an, an intellectual properties firm. He was a captain of the high school team I was on, and obviously was on that team with your, your CEO, Tom Geske. So small world there. You know, fell in love with wrestling in seventh grade. You know, I never thought it was my destiny to coach. I never thought that, you know, when I got in it that, you know, the things that have happened in my life would have happened. But you take one day at a time and you fall in love with something. And then before you know it, things are going pretty well. So I love this sport, got cut from basketball, and that's why I started wrestling. That's a crazy story. So, and, and you go through it in detail in, in Chosen Suffering. What I found most interesting is you were super comfortable in Syrac- at Syracuse, right? And then you, you yeah. chose to go to Iowa. So, yeah, I mean, I was, yeah. What made you make that jump? I know your brother was on the team with you, right? Yeah, my brother and I were roommates, so very close. He was, he was two years older than me, so he left for college, and I had another two years of high school wrestling. But I, I felt in my heart I would join him wherever he was unless, of course, Iowa called. <laughs> and they never called. <laughs> you know, it was my dream. It was a big dream. As a young kid growing up, you know, I started to really get into wrestling. And at an early age, I think I really I connected. One, I was aggressive. You know, I think my nature was 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 aggressive. And I think aggression aggression is a is a is an in, an important ingredient for us as humans. Not reckless aggression, but initiative, right? To find solutions, constantly find find ways to improve yourself or a situation that you're in. So I was very aggressive as a kid, and I fell in love with wrestling right away and connected the work reward relationship. You know, it's like the harder I worked, the luckier I got. You know, and then the more lucky you get you connect it back to the work and the more you work and then you get more lucky and you get more work, you know? Yeah. So got involved in wrestling and, and yeah, I think, I think that, that was, those are, those are some traits early on that, you know, and I was small, you know, I mean, wrestling, I you how, how much your followers follow wrestling, but there, there's, there, there are young men that won the nationals with one leg, yeah, one yeah, and a half right. arms. Right. I mean, so it's a sport that any size you can, you can, you know, you, I couldn't play football, right. I was 119 pounds as a sophomore. I was getting run over, but, but wrestling made sense. You know, it made a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I was a one Oh three as a freshman and I think okay. I graduated at one fifty. I ended up at one fifty two. but that was, that was the thing I was playing right. football as a freshman and sophomore, just getting my ass kicked. I was <laughs> yeah, I right. Somehow level the playing field here. Right. Right. My size. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, and the, you know, the coach is grabbing your helmet. He's like, Hey, tackle him. And I'm thinking, he weighs over 200. I weigh 105. You tackle He's a grown man. You know, he's a grown, <laughs> right. This isn't making sense to me. Oh, man. Absolutely. So what, when you go to Iowa and you're, you're, you're under a, a legend, Gan Gable, what does he teach you? What does he instill in you? Did you? I mean, it sounded like you already had a pretty good trajectory. You already had a great foundation of, of that aggression. But what did he do to really turn you up a notch? Because that team was fantastic. You, I don't think you guys lost, right? When, when yeah, you were there. no, we had, I was, we, we had some good teams, some great, some great people, right? If you want to be a part of a better team, be a better you, right? I think that was the mindset there. And coach Gable was just, I think the biggest thing for me with coach Gable and why I went there was one, I mean, he was producing Olympic champions and national champions, right? So he had immediate trust. Right. And I know that the people around me that do really well and the times when I've grown the most is when I have full trust. He had my full trust. Everything he said, I hung on his every word. And the thing that was cool was that everybody else in there, not everybody else, maybe there are 35 guys in the team, but there was a, there were most of us. Right. Well, over half the team hung on his every word and listened to everything he said. And when you have full trust, you have you have serious progress. And I would say my first 90 days there, he also, I, I try, you know, he was known as a, as a, a warrior. He was known as a fitness, you know, he could, he could stay in the center and have man after man switch in and out on him and get them tired. So I knew that he lived it too. So he's also an example, right? we follow examples, right? So, so it was just, you know, he presented, he presented an environment that I needed and I, and, and, and full trust, which really helped my progress. Yeah, what's so interesting to me, especially in the wrestling room, is the young men that, for one, in high school, but even more so in college when the social life is buzzing, to have the perspective to really push at such a young age and actually understand that what you're doing is, it's bigger than yourself. It's that team mentality. So it sounds like he really drove that home to you early. 
but you were also receptive enough to want to believe it, right? How many people do you you probably recruit? Maybe you do a good enough job that when you're recruiting, you're you're <laughs> you're getting them out of the the pool. But it's you know, they they get there and they see the culture you're you're trying to create, and they're not all bought in. I think that's one of the greatest things about a true leader is being able to to find the assets that you can really turn on and leverage to the best of their ability. Yeah, no, that's that's very true. You know, I think the thing that is, 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 is maybe perhaps not easy for me to overlook, but it's just the reality is that I grew up in a home. You know, you asked this question, I grew up in a home where there was absolute belief, right? So belief, belief in me. And I think, I mean, that's just, that's just critically important for young people. You know, that you, you, you know, it's like hugging your son or your daughter. If you know me, you know I'm always on the run up early and home late. So having a three hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because it was, I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop mixed in water once a day and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash provengrit. That's drinkag1.com slash provengrit. Check it out. And tell, looking them in the eyes and telling them that you believe in them is, is, is a powerful gift, right? And not that you know, those, those you know, three simple words is going to take them to never, never land, but it certainly is going to, it's certainly going to allow them to take more risks, right? And we all know that the study after study on taking risks, right? How powerful it is that, 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 that you know, how, how did you, you know, son, tell me how you failed today and how powerful those words are. Just don't be afraid to go out and fail because I know in my life, the times I've grown the most have been the t- most tough times in my life, right? The most difficult times in my life. I remember, you know, reflecting back on if I lost a wrestling match, right? I, I was more likely to watch the loss than I was the win. What happened? You know, what went wrong in this situation? So well, I was fortunate, you know, which gave me the courage, right? Because we're talking about courage, right? That human beings just, just, just have this courage. And, and I had the courage to leave a full scholarship. And at the time, I didn't think much of it, right? But now that I'm 52 and reflecting back on an 18, 19-year-old Tom, it's like, well, why did you have the courage to drive your car out to Iowa and stay in a hotel and sleep in your car to get what you wanted? Well, pretty simply, people believed in me. And it allowed me to believe more in myself. Yeah, the belief... The belief from others fed your your self belief, which is just so encouraging, and it is something that parents have to you know instill in their children early. Try and if you fail, learn. And I think you hammer that home in your book. It's a failure is never you know it's it's only a, a true failure if you don't turn it into a learning lesson. You know? Yeah, right. I mean, how do we what do right what do we take from it? Exactly. Right. What do we take from it? Nobody. Right. Nobody leaves the earth unscathed. Right. We all leave with wounds. And if you leave without wounds, you didn't try hard enough. Yeah. And that gets back to the protectionism and being comfortable with. Sure. You know, people, sure. people love that. So let's talk about before we're getting into your, your coaching career. Let's talk about, hey, you're you're a two time All-American. Where do you draw the line? Where do you say I'm done? I need to make a change. Yeah. So for me, it was when I fell out of love with the things that I needed to do. Right. When I just the deep love was gone. And for me, that was a couple of years after college. I got into coaching. I got married, started to have children. And it began, you know, you got to go overseas in Russia. You got you to fly overseas. And at the time, I didn't like flying so much. But you had to really, you, had, you have to pour your soul into it. And, the, and the, it was just a big boy conversation. 
right? With our with myself, that hey, it's time. I'm not willing. I know what it. I know what the truth looks like, and I'm not willing to undergo the things anymore that I know I have to do in order to maintain a high level of of wrestling. So I stopped. And I got into coaching. Excellent. And then take us down that journey because that was that was another fun one. I mean, you ended up at Hofstra, right? Was that your first head coaching gig? First head coach, I went to Indiana University at the Big Ten Championships my senior year. A former Iowa wrestler named Dwayne Goldman came up to me and said, hey, when you're done with the season, I'm looking for an assistant. Are you interested? And, you know, honestly, that's the first time I ever thought about coaching in college, right? I'm 19 years old. Actually, I'm 19. Heck, I was 20. I was 20, going to be 21 years old at the time. And, you know, I thought I was going to be a physical therapist. You know, it wasn't, like I said, God didn't ordain me with this magic dust of, hey, you're going to be a coach. It's not something I really thought much about. And then when he asked me, I'm like, well, I do love wrestling. And I think I can, I can maybe be pretty good at this. I have a good base of knowledge in it already. So I interviewed and, and uh, we liked each other. And I started coaching at IU, which where I met my, I met my wife there and, and picked up some responsibilities. Yeah, I bet real quick. <laughs> I was going to ask, the natural inclination of coaching, that's tough. That's a really hard shift for a lot of people. You look at like some of the best baseball and football players, they don't know how to turn that dial from being a player to being a coach because it always came easy to them or not necessarily yeah. easy, but they grooved their own patterns. What did you learn about yourself coaching, especially at such a young age? Yeah. No, that's a great question. Yeah, that's a great question. I think that's, you know, it's parenting, right? It's, 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 exactly. it's, leader, it's right. It's parenting. It's leadership. It's like the, the biggest thing, obviously you touched on it is, is co- competing was all about me. Right. And, and competition, you know, and coaching rather is all about them. Right. And it's, it's how do you reach them just because, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's learning to be inquisitive and it's listening, right. It's listening and asking questions and trying to, you know, everyone's different. You know, and, and it's that it's that fine balance of running an organization with this, a certain number of people in it, but also having the flexibility to, you know, do what's best for the individual. And, you know, I think, you know, you, you, I just learn, you learn, you learn that I can't will myself for someone to love to train, right? Like, like my will for them to train is far less important than their will. Right. So, and I think that's, that's challenging, you know, as a someone, you know, anyone that's, that's a fearless competitor, they just want, they just think that they can will their deep competitiveness onto and inside someone that they're coaching. And it's just not that it's just, that's not the way it works. Oh man. I have a seven-year-old daughter and she's yeah. just starting softball. God and bless you. Let me, that's you. Awesome. <laughs> let me tell you. I, I know exactly what, you, you know, I was a good baseball yeah. player. I want to will yeah. that on her, but you're exactly right. There's such a delicate balance between coaching and, you know, I think true coaches, true leaders, they, they truly care. Right. And that's the yeah. difference between, you know, not everything is like the movies where you're just bullying it into someone and you just, you're beating them down. It's a give and a take when it works right. At least yeah. from my perspective, I'm sure you see it the same way. Or no, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think for me, what I've seen and like some of the elite guys I've coached, right? Sometimes we just stay in it because we're good at it, right? It it, it becomes an identity. It's like I start wrestling in high school. Wow, you're actually pretty good at this. In the hallway, people are like, hey, that's the wrestler, right? That's the softball player. That's the really good softball. That's the really good baseball player. He's really good at baseball, you know, and it becomes an identity. And sometimes we hold on to it because it's an identity for us. And at some point, at some point, the identity will take you to a certain height and it can get you right potentially at to the next level. You can play in college with an identity of it. But but when you you know when true when true magic, you know, when true lightning strikes, it it it's, it, it it transforms from identity to this deep love for it. You know, it's like like it's like I love seeing the spin on a baseball, right? I love the sound of the bat hitting the ball, right? I love the dirt. When I run down to first base, like I love the way the dirt puffs up in the air. Like I just love this. I think from a wrestling standpoint, it's the same. It's this deep, this, this truly deep love to want to be Yoda, right? It's, it's like, it's like this, it's just a desire to be a master, you know, mastery is, you know, where the, is, is where lightning really strikes. And, and for the young people out there, it's like, listen, you know, how many moves do you know when someone grabs your right leg? 
how many moves do you know when someone grabs your left leg? Like how many moves do you know when they grab your neck or your wrist, left wrist, right wrist? So it's really getting them to just have a deep, deep love for the learning side of it. Yeah. The world's tough right now, right? Nick? I mean, I, I can't, I mean, I didn't, when I wrestled, there was no Instagram. Oh, there was no Snapchat. You know, there was no Twitter. There was nothing. There was no social media. And right now, I see a lot of people put a lot of pressure on themselves where they, they, they hold on to the identity that others have of them. You know, and it's how many likes that I get and how many friends do I have? And it's a scary place to live. It's a scary, it's a scary, it's a scary measure of who we are as humans because we're always trying to please others. And the bottom line, right, is real growth happens when we're centered, we're core-centered, and we're, we're happy with who we are, not who others think we are. And it's challenging. It's a delicate, it's a delicate, it's a delicate balance. It is a delicate balance. And it's something that you touch on and, and I want to get into. I, I'm, I'm obsessed with like the, the best. I'm obsessed with people that are just high achievers. I don't care if it's wrestling or football. Like, yeah. I love Tom Brady. I love Kyle Snyder. I love, I, you know, <laughs> I love all the, all the guys that are the Bill Brady, right. whoever, you know, business, whatever. <laughs> and there's some common traits and you touch on it a little bit in the book, but one of the best things that I, I like is when you say, you know, they control what they can and they do it consistently. So we talk CrossFit a fair amount here. I don't know if you follow Matt Fraser at all, but you know, he was, yeah, unbelievable. Joe Fraser. Rogan. And you know, everything in his life was controlled. No. Nothing yeah. was by accident. Yeah. How do you guys set your, your elite level wrestlers up with that same type of control mechanisms and how do the best really lean into that? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think the best one, the best, like, like you, Right. You like you, what you've, right. You're studying the elite. It's like what you say, success leads clues. Right. And you're constantly, your initiative is so critically important. Right. And you're, you're like, no one told you to follow Frazier or, or Rogue. Right? Like, like you're, in, you know, you're intuitively saying, look, I, I, I want to be a great, you're a, a, a great leader. I want to lead people. I want my life. I, I, I see my life going in a certain direction. And the most likely way to get it there is there are examples that have been on this planet past and present that have lived a certain way. And what are the traits of these people? And, and then you model, right? You model, you model, you model yourself after proven identities, right? So a lot of the guys that come in, I'll use an example like Kyle Snyder, right? He was blogging and he, he, he was journaling immediately. I mean, he was journaling in high school, right? Before he went to bed at night, just writing down, you know, what he got done that day, what needs to happen, like his, his, his ability to process those type of things was, was extremely high. He was cognizant, right? He wasn't just like waking up, what's going to happen today, right? Like, what's going to happen? I can tell you what's going to happen today if you don't have a plan for it. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get your ass kicked. You're going to get your butt beat, no question about it. You're in trouble, you know? That's what I and tell people when I have so yeah. many buddies that have hit me up and been like, how do you work out in the morning? Because I usually get up at like, you know, 5, 5.30, get a workout yeah. before work. And it's like, dude, my, my gym clothes, or in the corner. First thing I see when yeah, I wake right. up is my alarm ring and I see my gym clothes and it's right. up. You know? I love it. You, you got to put the processes in place, take the thinking out of it because you also hit on like emotions speak ease into your brain, mm-hmm. right? They give you the easy way out. And we've already kind of joked about it a little bit about how like people just love being comfortable, but there's no yeah. greatness in comfort, right? Yeah, right, right. I mean, no, there's no, no one in your wrestling no, room. So true. You're, you're hitting what in, in an hour that's going to be having a comfortable practice. And if no, they're, they're going to yeah. be in their ear. Right. And right. And ultimately, right. It's, it's really black and white. It's not, it's not overly complex, right? Either you, either you get it or you get smashed by it. There's no wiggle room in it. Either you fall in line with the things that are going to lead you to progress, or you will run into somebody in an interview, right? In a sales meeting. You're going to run into somebody that gets it. And your likelihood of success shrinks greatly if they're doing certain things and you're not, right? So before we transition out of here, let's talk about how, how chosen suffering kind of helped you with the unchosen suffering. I, you know, I've dealt with some loss in my life. You well-documented in your book has, have dealt with some heartbreak. How did, how did that chosen suffering and that aggression, and probably aggression is not the right word, but the will and yeah. the determination, how did that help you? when the ocean yeah. and suffering showed its face. Yeah. So, you know, as you, you know, and I, one, I appreciate you reading the book. And, and so 
thanks for looking looking into the book and and and, and reading it. So, the book's chosen suffering, and this isn't about the book at all, right? That's not what this conversation is about. But in the book, I, I refer to two types of suffering, and it's chosen suffering, which are the things that we bring upon ourselves, which are difficult. Listen, some of them are difficult and beneficial, and some of them are just difficult and and troublesome, right? I mean, turning to alcohol, turning to drugs, right? I mean, that's chosen. I'm choosing. I'm choosing something that's going to ultimately be very difficult for me in my life, right? And it's not beneficial. Now, choosing to run another mile or choosing to get up like you do at five in the morning, right? That's chosen suffering. And it's basically choosing acute over chronic, right? You're, you're, you're choosing acute pain over chronic pain, right? You believe that if you do these things, you eat a little better, you train, that you're, you're, the pain that you're in for an hour will eliminate the pain you may experience at 75 when you're hunched over or you, you, you're, you're hooked up to an oxygen mask, right? An oxygen tank or, or your body weight is too heavy for your muscular system to, to manage. So chosen suffering, again, just the difficult things we go through in life that we choose. Unchosen suffering is what seared me. So chosen suffering, I learned so much about me. And I think chosen suffering, as you understand completely, it's like I grow from it. I learn from it. It's made me better. It's never brought me to my knees, though. It's caused, it's caused discomfort, but it's never brought me to my knees. And what I've learned about unchosen suffering is that there are things in this life that are going to come our way that we want no part of, that they're coming anyway. And when they come, how will we deal with it? See, unchosen suffering, you can't will yourself to change circumstances that are out of your control. And for me, for 36 years, for the most part, everything that happened in my life, I caused, good and bad. My relationships were good because of me and bad because of me. My wrestling went well because of me and not so well because of me. My friendships, being a son, being a brother, being a, being, being a, a, a sibling, being a neighbor, those things, chosen suffering, I either right, helped the guy move snow in his yard or didn't. When I did, maybe repaid the favor somewhere along the line. So, so chosen suffering never brought me to my knees and unchosen suffering made me think far deeper than I ever have before in my life. Chosen suffering taught me to rely on me and unchosen suffering taught me to rely on a loving God that I believe in without question. It's awesome. And it's, it's a powerful shift in the book when, when, you, when you guys read and listen to it, which I can't encourage enough. I appreciate you breaking that down. A couple more quick questions I have for you, lighter note, but we touched on him before. Kyle Snyder is an absolute freak phenom. And from a person that's just watched wrestling from afar, holy shit, man. Like this guy, is, is he one of the best American wrestlers of all time? I, I'd have to yeah. say yes. Yeah, I think, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's the, he's the youngest Olympic champion, right? Youngest world champion in history. I mean, who, I mean who, who after losing in the national finals, he got upset. He was ready to win. He did all the things that he needed to do to win, but the guy hit a beautiful move on him and caught him in the national finals. Two months later, maybe even sooner than that, I can't remember the time frame, but it was soon after the national finals, he goes on to beat the reigning Olympic champion to make the U.S. world team, right? So, you know, some heartache breaks us and heartache builds us, right? And the heartache for him, right, it's our choice, it built him. The next morning after the national finals, he was uplifting weights, preparing for the next event. He was heartbroken. He was heartbroken, but he didn't trust his feelings. Right? His feelings said, stay in bed, lay in bed, feel sorry for yourself. You didn't win the tournament. You got pinned. He didn't trust those feelings. Right? He, he, he pushed those feelings aside and said, there's a job to do. I'm going to do them. So he's really good at not trusting his feelings and using his head. So he got up in the morning, he lifted weights. And before we know it, he's in the finals against the reigning Olympic champion. And he beats him to make his first world team. And then he goes on a little bit later that summer to be the youngest American ever to win a world title. And that was as a freshman at the end of his freshman year in college. And the rest is pretty much history. He's won the weight seven times in a row. He's got three golds. You know, he's got his two silvers. He's got a bronze at the world championships. And he's doing really well. Well, good job recruiting him, coach. You know, the first thing I think of with, with wrestling is just the intimacy of the losses. And, you know, Cal Dake and Jordan Burrow just wrestled off for for the olympic you know what's up you're following this stuff. ah yeah you know i, I got a four-year-old boy too so that's yeah, nice. yeah that's you're nice. good man <laughs> so man the first thing i thought about was man burrows you know 
That's yeah. sad. You know, that's sad. That could be the end. And the very first thing he does is post on his Instagram like the next day. He's like, I'm coming back. That yeah. resiliency in that head of, of these elite athletes, again, it's just, it's so yeah. encouraging. And I'm sure you see it over and over again. Yeah, he's a tremendous leader. I mean, I mean, imagine for a, for a decade and two years, the guy, he, he, he dominated the weight. 12 years consecutive. So Snyder's at seven right now, right? Maybe this was his eighth. But I mean, it's mind-blowing to think that for 12, you know, the margin of error is so small. There's so many hungry people and there's so many hungry people at 163 pounds, right? A lot of men, it's a, it's a very popular weight class because at 165, 170, you're not in the NFL, right? You're not in the NBA. So you've got a lot of elite athletes that choose wrestling that are that size. So it's highly, highly competitive. And to dominate the weight for 12 years and be on top of his game for that long is pretty mind blowing. It is. All right, quickly. I know you got to jump. A typical workout for uh, in the wrestling room, outside of the wrestling room, in the weight room, what's it look like? I mean, are you running these guys through high intensity interval training? Are you running them through cross training? Is it just basic bodybuilding? What, what are you hitting? I would say it just depends on the time of the year. Okay. You know, it depends on the time of the year. So right now we're in, a, we're in a strength phase. So really a focus on strength. You know, I think the true, you know, I would argue the true measure, the true strength of a man is how much you can pull off the ground. Right. Like that's the ultimate, you know, how much can you pull off the ground? So that's a good measure of how strong we are. We track, we track front squat, we track deadlifts, we track pull-ups, we track holding your hand strength, we track core, we track their two mile time. Right. Yeah. So yeah, we track two mile time. So, you know, wrestling's interesting because it's a combination, right. Of, of explosiveness. You need power and explosiveness, but you also, if you're powerful and explosive for 60 seconds and there's seven minutes in a match, <laughs> You got some serious problems in the last six. You sure do. So, uh, you know, it's, it makes it the sport beautiful and flexibility, right? You can be long and gangly and be the guy that can, you know, that can, that can bench, you know, 300 pounds, 350, you know. So it's, it's an interesting sport. And it's about, you know, finding, a, finding the traits that fit your body type, you know, body length, so things like that. So we asked, we asked the same three questions every, and this is a good segue into it. Yeah. How do you define strong? So you got a room full of wrestlers every four years, yeah. you get, every year you get a new batch. But, you know, what's the one thing that makes Coach Ryan turn around and say, oh, that dude's strong? Is it, yeah, is I would it say, a deadlift? I would say deadlift, but I would say more, 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 more practically, right? Something more practically. So whatever sports you're in. In my sport, I would say that it's the ability to execute your skills for the entire duration of a competition. Right. So it's the ability, it's the ability to complete holds, no matter how much duress you're under through the entirety of a match. So if you can do that, you're strong enough. Well, that's the, that's the nice coaching and all inclusive. answer. I mean, it's all it's like, are you strong enough? Well, if you're in a position and the guy crunches you, you're not strong enough. That's a fair point. <laughs> Get stronger. Right. It's so, so it's, there's no subjectivity yeah, so to that one. <laughs> 50 pull-ups, 50 pull-ups, I think is good. You know, 50 pull-ups, I like the number 50 in pull-ups. You know, I like, I like the force number of three, which is a force number is equated by your body, hex bar max or deadlift max over body weight. So whatever you can deadlift over your body weight, if you get to a 3.0, you're going to be pretty, you're, you're, you're three times, you're an ant can do what, nine? You're, you're one third as strong as an ant if you can, Pound for pound, if you can, if you can do that. Yeah, <laughs> that really puts it in perspective. <laughs> What's one song you're throwing on in the wrestling room to get the boys hyped up? Is there is there one go to song? One one big oh, wow. song? Man, that's funny. That's funny. You know, my team they're all different. You know, some of these guys like this like rap. I don't like rap. At least not heavy rap. I like classic rock, little DC. I like country. What's that? I like yeah. I like Christian rock a lot. So I like it. You can throw me a little Jeremy Camp on it. I'll, I'll take I'll take down the toughest guy that weighs under 125 in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Pick the little guy. All right. And lastly, this is the most important quick hitter, and it is out of left field. What's your favorite non-alcoholic seltzer? Non-alcoholic seltzer, Lacroix, like like uh, yeah. What, what flavor? A vanilla, no, no, just just vanilla, just just regular, just water. That's no, it. No flavor. Plain. Plain. My I wife know. said plain. My wife just. Well, then she knows me better than me. Well, there you go. Easy enough. 
All right. Well, man, this has been fantastic. I know you have practice. I appreciate you carving out some time in the middle of the day for me. I'll let Geski know we were talking on a Tuesday at one on. on Yeah, please do, man. And you look, you look, you look all buffed up, man. Good for you. Keep it it going. Good luck to your daughter and your son, right? Seven and four you got? Seven and four. So we'll see what happens. The journey. God bless. Take care, Tom. All right. Take care. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. A lot of fun. And check out Chosen Suffering. Like I said, I I love how he shares a little bit about unchosen suffering and how chosen suffering, that mental callousing has really got him ready for for the shit you can't be ready for. And you know, he 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 shares that that perspective. And it's something that I, you know, really hit home with me. Boys, we've already done the stream. I don't have a smoke. What do you have, Rob? You smoke anything this week? I smoke something every week, Nick. It's not always something well, I mean, different. Okay, same. I mean, I, I smoked something, but I didn't smoke anything like sexy. What'd you smoke? I just did some some burgers, and then I do the the potatoes on the side. Have you have you done burgers yet? Or have I you still done? haven't. And what I was I wanted to ask you about this. So you're just throwing. What do you throw it on? High temp? Oh yeah. Okay, so you're going 500. Throw the burgers on. Cook them like regular. Just, just grill them. Okay, I'll do it this weekend. And this is going to be different. This is going to be different than any other burger. Oh yeah, dude. You're not going to get that char on the outside, like a propane. It's the indirect heat that's getting it, but it's still high heat. Oh my dude. It is the best burger you will have. Okay. And Done then deal. some of those like small mini potatoes, slice mm-hmm. them in halves, olive oil, salt, pepper, like maybe some thyme on there and let those sit on there for like 30 minutes. So it's a great meal right there. Yeah, see, I've done the potatoes and, and white onion, thyme, salt, pepper, but I did it on a cast iron on the smoker, and it was fine, but it took a really long time. I need one of those little sheets. You yeah. see the really good smokers have, you know, that they throw it over tops so and nothing falls in, and you can get that, you know, you can put it directly on the grates. All right, cool. Burgers. So I'll do. And Burgers happening. has the family packs on sale this week, so go... <laughs> Uh, sponsor of the show, Aldi. Go out and pick up your family pack of grass-fed, 100% ground beef this week. Dude, Aldi almost had me splurging the other day. I'm walking in there, and they had a standing rib roast just sitting no. there just by itself, 48 bucks. No way. Like, what is happening right now? I had no need for it, so I didn't do it. But I'm like, really? Like, you're just chilling there? Beautiful. I'll tell you, I finally found the Parmesan crisp. I actually had to ask an assistant. Let's say, where are these things? I got the cheddar version. Really like the cheddar version. The Parmesan. I've never had. I've never had the cheddar version. Yeah, it's collaborated. Good stuff. Yeah, nice. Yeah, absolutely. Glad you're good. Yeah, I'm glad you guys. You know, kept pointing out how good they are. So I'm a fan. Crumpled them up in some salad. Got to get the Aldi plug in. Got to get the Aldi plug every week. Oh, Lidl. Lidl's officially open. Leah went there last night. She was pretty underwhelmed, but also she was kind of a long day yesterday. Had a headache and stuff. So I haven't I haven't ventured out, but Lidl will be on my... Is it Lidl? That's that right? Lidl. Uh, Lidl's. Lidl. Lidl. Or, it's not, I know it doesn't have a fucking S. Lidl. <laughs> yeah. I said Lidl. Lidl. Yes, I got to go to Lidl because it is now open. Are you going back and forth, Rob, or have you sworn allegiance to Lidl now? They're they're both within like two miles of each other. So my grocery trips involve both, and then I got to go to Sprouts to pick up my my Topo Chico. So grocery day is getting to be. <laughs> so you, when you eat all the fucking alternative food, you just like every <laughs> once in a while, just pick up you know a bag of whatever. You'll, you'll be fine, Rob. This brings me to another point. I think for me, the goat of all grocery stores is Wegmans. Still, nothing tops Wegmans for me. Whole Foods can fuck a duck. But Wegmans is the goat for me. Yeah, if there's going to be one grocery store you go to the rest of your life, you you can't go to all these specialty stores. I think Wegmans is going to be your going to be your go to. That place That's is good. Gucci. Yeah. yeah, that place is really nice. I've only walked into one once. Wegmans is great because the Wegmans brand. You know how like you go to Shoprite, you get the Shoprite brand, whatever. Or you go to you know it, it, it's some bullshit. Like the Wegmans brand is like really inexpensive, but it's always as good as like whatever other brand you buy. That's the difference. Amongst other things. I'm looking up Topo Chico right now on Amazon. Is about right? 30 bucks for a 12 pack? <laughs> no. Seems to broken. <laughs> Sprouts, I think the, the, the 12 pack was like 10 or 11 bucks. Glass bottles. Yeah. It's all huh. the way to go. All right. Well, I got to figure something <laughs> out. I'm going to go into Pennsylvania and Maryland this weekend just to find these. <laughs>
Delaware and be underwhelmed. Delaware is going to have Topo Chico in like 2028. If you prioritize bubbles, then you will not be underwhelmed. All right. Well, I do. The only people. Yeah, I'll. I'll, Yeah, I can't. (laughs) All right. Any hitters for the week, boys? Yeah, one of our best guests ever throughout Taylor Swift. And I'm going back to the well because there's not enough Tay-Tay. And you guys might hate this, but I don't give a fuck. Cruel Summer by Taylor Swift. That song is a fucking banger. I know that song. I don't think I do either. I got pushed the genre light years. You guys ever heard of these people? Nope. Probably not. 9,000 monthly listeners on, on Spotify. Who's the alternative guy now? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't even know how I stumbled into these guys, but it is a good song. They got like three good ones. What do you got, Rob? I want to throw some DMX on there because we talked about them two weeks ago, but I don't think we added any songs to the playlist. So I'm putting intro from Stark and Hell is Hot. I sent you the guys that Mike Tyson walk out with that song playing. Like that build oh, pretty. Guys, pretty by the way, belay our last. Can you believe we have not spoken about the bullshit fight that happened on Saturday night. Can we talk about Ben Askren and just, I mean, we just had a, a, a wrestling legend on Tom Ryan. I should have asked him about how, what this man Ben Askren did to the sport this weekend. What the fuck? I, I didn't really didn't want to bring it up in the same episode. I feel like yeah. it was, uh, taken away from our guests, but now, now that we've, we've broached the subject, like what, what's the, what's the consensus out there? Was it a complete flop by Askren? Like, did he just go there for a payday? Did he even? I mean, I've never even even not being a good striker, which he which he clearly wasn't ever. He never looked more. I think they said he looked like a bag of milk. That's about right. Like he looked so ridiculous in his in his way, and he never looked like that in a UFC fight. I and mean, he didn't look good, but he didn't look like that. It Dude, really didn't look like he took it seriously. He took punishment in his MMA career. Robbie Lawler almost killed him, and he, he like weathered that storm, and he takes one right hand from Jake Paul and is like out. What was the way? What was the fight at? 191. 191. I mean, that's – and Ben Askren fights at 170 in MMA. But he probably uh, walks around at 190. Yeah, yeah. so it's tough to say that like a shot from Robbie Lawler is anywhere in four-ounce gloves. I don't know. It, it was such a, so depressing because Ben, ben Askren is one of these people who, if you ask legitimate fight fans, he's one of the best wrestlers on planet Earth and has had an amazing MMA career. But it's fucked up because the two things he's going to be known for is getting kneed in the face by Masvidal, which is like the most insanely ridiculous knockout ever. Again, Masvidal, you got to give him credit. And then get knocked out by Paul. So it's like really a black mark kind of on his career. And I also heard, I, I could be wrong on this, I think he had a hip replacement pretty recently. So you got a guy with a just a fucked up hip going into the fight, a boxing match, and he's not a striker. It makes zero sense. I hope he got paid. I don't know, man. It was, it was depressing as fuck. I didn't watch a second of it, gladly, because I would have just been bummed out. It was truly pathetic. And look, I someone sent me the, the crack streams stream, so I watched it. I was up anyway, but man, it was just, you could tell, first of all, I was really shocked at how little their gloves were. They're not, you know, they are, they're, they're trying to hurt people (laughs) with those little gloves, but, and they're trying to get knockouts. I think it was just so apparent when he got in there that he did not have any interest in fighting and almost immediately Snoop Dogg's like, I bet $2 million on Paul Dana White paying me. And it was like, oh, God, this is going to be bad. Hey, I, one punch. It was literally one punch. Is anybody else Snoop Dogged out? Like, like there was a time I actually saw Snoop Dogg live and he was fucking awesome. And I, I'm a fan of his music. But, like, I don't need him commentating fights. I don't need him on a Corona Corona. I'm Snoop Dogged out. Like, dude. See, people hair- love that. People love the show. That Like, I guess there was a right. boxing fight in, okay. in this, right. under this card. So the, we, we've, Oscar De La Hoya was clearly high on pills. I think it was what everyone said. It's a spectacle. Like they are completely changing what people think of when they think of pay per view. They're putting on a show. It's never going back, is it? No, they've they've totally like tainted a whole sport. And I'm I'm with you on Snoop Dogg. It's like he's turned smoking weed into like his personality. Like we, we've known you smoke for a while. Like that that's all he talks about and all he does. All right, well, we'll see what happens with this Jake Paul character. I don't know. He's gonna, he wants to fight Daniel Cormier next. I mean, he's just picking 
pretty much around the edges of, I mean, again, one of the best wrestlers ever. I think Cormier would absolutely start. I would actually love to see that because I think Cormier maybe just sneaks an elbow in there and just says, fuck it, I want to kill this Don't, guy. Like, Cormier's got good hands. Don't forget about when he walked, knocked out Stipe. I, I was going to say, I would and not. He should have, and he should have knocked out Stipe the second time. He That first and second round, he was beating the dog shit out of him, and he just fell off. I don't know if he got gassed or what, but, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens next. I mean, it sounds like every time these guys, uh, they sold like $75 million, I think, at 50 bucks a pop. No. So people. There's no way. Maybe yeah. 7.5. I don't know. Jake Paul was yapping about 75 million. <sighs> if that if that is true, then it ain't good, bro. Worth more money than than anybody. That that's insane. Well, he didn't make 75 million. He he's saying that that's what they got. Maybe the what, gate, maybe the gate that's the, the gate review. Yeah. Or maybe you want to throw in some like gambling promos, maybe like if you add it all up, but that those that's monopoly money. Who the fuck knows how? Uh, I did see somewhere, I think Ben Asker got a half mil for it. 75 million pay-per-view buys in, in, in total. Now, have these people never heard of the internet who buy these paper? Like you, dude, I don't know who you are paying 50 bucks for this. Like dude, I'll get like, he is like a million buys. That blows my mind. Oh, it blows. Dude, this was crazy. That's what I'm saying. It's a spectacle. They've completely changed how people like, I heard from people that don't even watch boxing, don't even watch fighting. They're like, oh, it's great. There was concerts in between, Justin Bieber, the slap boxing, Pete Davidson basically heckling people in the, in the locker rooms. Like, they turned it into a SNL skit. Wild. I want, like, a legit badass at that weight class to fight both of these Paul kids, maybe at the same time, and just shut them up. Supposedly, Logan Paul's fighting Mayweather. You can't, because then you legitimize these guys. Like, right. Yeah. Oh, God, they're one punch away from being legitimized. That's the problem. I mean, if you really think about what Jake Paul's done, he's beaten up Tiny, the smallest basketball player that no one knows if he can fight. And he beat up like the world's worst UFC striker. And he is being legitimized already. Shit, we've talked about it longer than anything else tonight. So, we should be talking uh, about point break more. I, now, I was, was, that was the, the second one any good? I haven't seen it. You know, I've never watched the remake. It's like, yeah, you can't do it. I mean, how, how can you remake that movie? It's Keanu Reeves in his prime, Gary Busey, Patrick Swayze in his prime. You got the girl with the short hair who's kind of... I knew you'd like Point Break, but I always thought the highest of the high for you would be something like, like a Fast and the Furious series. Uh, I mean, like the program in Point Break is just far as like early 90s, just like epitomizing greatness is, is about as good as... By point Break, it's just... just did you, did you eat a meatball sub while you're watching it? That's like my favorite oh. scene is when Busey's in the car. You oh, and he's seen the sub before he gets to the fight. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I thought you would talk about the scene in the beginning where he's like, you know, this is the FBI. You know, we don't fuck around. He goes, I'm um, talking about his diet and his exercise. He goes, sir, I take the skin off my chicken. <laughs> <laughs> what an epic, epic, epic movie. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed. Tell a friend and we'll be back next week with wearables.